Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason, host of The Bridge, and today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Sure, I am also in the beautiful city of Beijing, but I'm proudly representing the Northeast of China. And every episode when we sit together, I am just as excited as Jason sounds. <laughs> oh, yeah. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Well, we're also on different sides of the city. So, you know, Alex is representing the Chaoyang District and I am representing the cool district. Oh, oh, wow. I was, you know what, sorry, sorry for, sorry for underestimating this, Jason. Uh I thought you were going to say, I thought you were just going to say West because we're trying to put these two. I'm just kidding. Everyone knows that the most populated part of Beijing is Chaoyang District, where all the really cool stuff is. But there are cool things outside of there. So I just get a little chip on my shoulder sometimes. I know. I I do want to give Jason this, uh, his credit for promoting <laughs> how cool his part of the city is and we've been saying we have been saying that Alex has to go to the west side of Beijing and see those places that Jason made really cool vlogs about and then we'll make another vlog about it. I want to actually yeah I think we should but also I just want to mention really fast what's really interesting about west versus east here in Beijing is that on the west side mm-hmm. you actually don't have as many locations localities to go to so in Chaoyang you can go to like Shuangjing or you can go to Sanlitor you can go to all these different places, Wangjing. And so there's like a mixture of lots and lots and lots of places. But on the West, beyond Shidan, if you keep going further West, there's only Wukasong. There's only Wukasong. So what, what the consequence of that is that Wukasong is way off the hook mad at night. It's like so busy. There's like, tens of thousands of people at one location. Mm. So whereas in Chaoyang district, you have a bunch of locations with like a few thousand people on the West side, you have one location with tens of thousands of people. And so that one place, Wukasong is just mad exciting. You know, you know, we, we always talk about the West side and East side of Beijing and the way that you de- mm. you're describing the difference kind of just reminds me of what I was thinking about when I went to a quick business trip to Shanghai a couple of weeks ago. Mm. You know how people mm. always have the same narrative around how Shanghai is quote unquote better than Beijing because Shanghai has mm. so many more places to go to. Well, we got that universal Beijing studio doesn't. Now, so we're catching up. Exactly. Okay. I don't agree that Beijing has fewer places. Maybe actually number wise it does, but Beijing is also a lot more spread out and it's a grid. Mm. So it, it's hard for all of those places to congregate. But I also, here's my thing. I went to Shanghai and we went to this famous street with a lot of really interesting little shops and coffee places and and cool little restaurants, you know, chic, whatever things. And then we're walking around at um, day three when we went to meet up with a friend at a, a cool coffee shop again. And I was like, you know what? Okay, maybe Shanghai does have more places, but can I go to all of these coffee shops on the street every day to a different one to experience all of them? No, at the end of the day, I'm still going to pick one coffee shop that I love the most and 
I will frequent that one place. At that point, what's the difference between Shanghai and Beijing? I was like, before we continue, because I love I love this topic. You know, this is actually a good he- uh, segue into what we're supposed exactly. to be talking about. <laughs> so, I, I'm on social media and I mentioned how cool China is all the time, like constantly. I'm a twerp, I guess, annoying people online talking about how great it is. <laughs> so, what I get is every day, half a dozen people message me and say, "How can I come to China? Or what's it like living in China? Or how did you get there?" Ooh, how uh, immigrate to China. I get is constantly getting bigger? DMs and it's all the time, especially the last month or so since uh, that's awesome. Since people are actually starting to really consider coming and the visas are available since March 15th. So I wanted to answer everyone's questions all at once. So I don't have to keep messaging like 100 <laughs> messages every two weeks or something. Yeah, just listen to so our you show. You want to move to China. Yeah. So you want to move to China, but you don't know how. Welcome to our new series <laughs> on the bridge. Home Sweet Home China Episode 1. And this episode, we're going to cover how to come to China for work, choosing the right job, negotiating, mm. choosing the right city for you, getting a passport, visa flights, and all the steps you need to take to ensure your success so that you can have these <laughs> arguments about whether Beijing or Shanghai is cooler. <laughs> we're, we're, we should start a service. And this is just the, the entry point to our service. Mm. <laughs> we'll create a website. The bridge, uh, the bridge.com. And you come to the bridge and then you have to figure out. Anyways, we're going to make it easier for you. Let's see. So, you know, a lot of people, I saw a social media influencer recently. I'm not going to mention their name because I don't want to defame them. But they were like, I am so tired of your DMs about coming, how to come to China. Why don't you just go to the embassy website? And I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, I'm going to take the exact opposite route is that uh, wonderful influencer who I do watch and appreciate. Uh-huh. And I'm going to say, if you want to keep messaging me, please do. Please do. You can. <laughs> yeah, you can email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com or you can find me on social media and just message me all you want. I will be happy to continue taking your DMs. But for the record, today's show is going to cover it. So the first thing you need to be aware of, in my opinion, is how what your qualifications are. Mm. So this is going to change a lot for a lot of people. If you have a bachelor's degree, wow, coming to China is easy. Now, if you don't have a bachelor's degree, please don't give up. There are different routes to come to China also. So I'm going to just mention, which we're going to talk about in a totally different episode, you can come here for school. And that means from anywhere, you can come from any country in the world, you know, from Somalia to the UK, you can come to China for school, you can get a bachelor's degree, and you can start parlaying that into a way to stay here longer Mm -hmm. also. And there, there are tons of grants and scholarships, especially for international students available. So this is something that bothers some Chinese folks, Alex, that it's easier for foreigners to get access to scholarships to study in China than it is for Chinese people sometimes. Of course, it's not the same for everyone. And there are people who have mm. financial needs, financial, they have, mm-hmm. you know, there are people who need financial aid or whatever to go to school. But for most people, going to college is really mm-hmm. not that expensive. Yeah, China is actually, so if you're in the United States, for example, which is probably the worst for college uh, tuition, mm. then coming to China is a financial, like, no-brainer. Just come to China. You're going to save so much money. It's going to cost you 5%, 10% as much to go to a Chinese university as it is to go to an American university. Yeah, you might not, actually not graduate less. with no debt. Yeah, yeah. You might graduate with no debt at all, as opposed to, like, uh, these people who have $100,000 in U.S. debt, and they may not ever pay it off. Exactly. But anyways, I want to switch to work. For those of you who have a bachelor's degree, you can relax a little bit. We're going to talk about those of you without. Yeah. So you took the Bill Gates route and you decided not to finish college. That's fine. You can still come 
come to China in a lot of fields. If you are an expert in, of some kind, that's a, a really useful thing. So you do IT, you can program, yeah. you are a business leader, or you have experience in upper management or middle management. There are jobs for you, just not an English teacher. <laughs> so the, the easiest route, the widest highway into China is English teacher. And then there are other routes into China that do not require a higher degree. Yeah, there is a different way. Actually, I actually went through all of that process very recently uh, for a friend. Oh, yeah. Please tell us. Yeah. So they do have a, a point system. They have a system in place for people who want to apply for a work visa. And then, of course, your work visa has to be it has to be filed for the company that is employing you uh, to either bringing you to China or if you want to change companies. And all they need to approve, all they need, sorry, all they need to prove is, of course, the basic stuff, mm. your education and whatever it is. And then your past working experience, because the thing is, if you've been working mm -hmm. in this field for longer than a couple of years, there are different mm -hmm. points ranges that with each year added to your work experience, there are more points that you're going to, going to get. And then there are other, if you've had, like Jason said, if you're some sort of a technician it doesn't even it's not even when i say technician it's not even like oh you have to be an amazing computer programmer you have to have built <laughs> apps that sold for like that were sold for millions and millions of dollars if you're a technician of any sort and you have any certificate mm -hmm. that adds points and if mm -hmm. you have a uh, course finished your bachelor's degree and you didn't that's okay and if you have won any awards that adds certain points to it mm -hmm. and also if you worked for fortune 500 yeah, you know company. that adds points too and the most the most encouraging thing is if you are between the age of i think 23 and 45 then you get more points as well than uh, those applicants that are out of that age range because i think china is trying to encourage people that are at their best ages most energetic <laughs> ages if i will and feel free to disagree. I'm 50 and I'm more energetic than when, when I was 35. That's fine. But there is an age advantage as well. So if you're within that age range, you could look at that little charts and add all of your points together. As soon as, as long as the points reach 60%, you will be able to get a work visa. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Another thing is you get a lot of help from the company that you're applying for. And right now, because the borders have just opened up in the last few months. I know it's really and exciting. A lot of people did leave. A lot of people did leave to go home because they missed the mom. They missed Christmas back in you know New Jersey yeah. or whatever it is. Like there are a ton of openings, a ton of openings. So you could say you have a background in uh, what is it called? Media, like where you do advertisement or something. There are a million companies looking for you right now. There, there are so many many openings for you to come over just because maybe you speak English or you speak French or you speak German and you come over and you can get these jobs for like BMW and stuff, just uh, translating things into a way in which your culture can adapt or uh, understand those advertisements, understand that kind of media. Or maybe you're a social media influencer. There are all kinds of opportunities for you to come over and do that here, actually. So there are a lot of opportunities for people who don't have uh, a bachelor's degree. One thing I needed, I, I should have said right at the beginning, if you have a criminal background, I mean, okay, everyone needs to get a criminal background check, but if you have a background and 
you are a criminal, you can't come to China. <laughs> so <laughs> if you have committed a felony, if you've robbed a bank, if you've stolen a car, yeah, there's no chance you're coming to China. Because when you get your criminal background check, they will sort you out and there's no yeah. way you're going to come. You might be able to come over as a tourist. Work visa, yeah. But uh, no uh, felonies are coming over to live here because yeah. I mean that's I think that that's pretty much true anywhere so if you're trying to move, move to France they're going to be like what you stole a car you're not coming to France so if you have spent time in a federal penitentiary it is unlikely that you're going to be able to migrate anywhere so that includes China and you won't be able to come over when I actually got my green card I had to do a criminal background check wow, was that in hard? China and in the United States and if I had committed any you know the one in China was super easy I we just applied for it and got done and the but the one in the United uh -huh. States, because I was living in China, <laughs> was a nightmare. I hired, hired a company called yeah. Hive. I think that's what they're called. And they do, they're mm. known for international paperwork. I think they're located out of Shanghai. Do tell. Actually, it's a really interesting story. So I had to go to, a, I went to a restaurant, a famous mm. one here in Chaoyang District. And uh, this very tall gentleman who was like super buffed. Mm. And he, I think he was a former FBI agent. He actually had a fingerprint scanning device with him because he had left the FBI and gone into this private work doing FBI criminal background checks. Wow. So I met him in this restaurant. And Did he, he really leave the FBI? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Anyways, he was really, uh, yeah. what's the right? Authorita authoritative. Like when my wife was like, let's film this for a vlog. He was like, please don't film my equipment, ma'am. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine that voice. Please don't film yeah. my equipment. Yeah. So I, I was like, Summer, put that away. Anyways, he took my fingers and scanned them on a, like a, a laser scanner thing that he had. One, yeah. Then he was able to send those to the FBI, which you can do yourself. So actually, if you don't want to hire this, you can actually do the individual pieces. Mm. You go in to get your fingerprints done by like a Chinese entity that is approved and you can send them physically or through the internet to the FBI. Mm. There's a whole process on the FBI's website on how to do this. But this guy and his whole company did everything for me. And I was like, I'm not doing all these steps. It's like <laughs> 20 or 30 steps. You know, it is like a nightmare of bureaucracy. So anyways, he, they, they shot it off to the FBI. It wasn't too long. It was like a few days even, or a couple of weeks. I can't remember exactly. It was a couple of years ago. But they, the FBI sent a criminal background check to the company in the United States, and they sent me a digital copy. The company sent me a digital copy in China. Then after that, this had to go through another part of the process where the document was then taken to the State Department in California. Mm. So they had to physically bring it into the California State Department headquarters in Sacramento. And then they had to get one of those 3D stamps applied to it, which took another couple of weeks. Oh Once that was done, then this company and then they, all, the whole time this pro, through this process, this company was sending me the results of each one. Then it got brought to the U, the Chinese embassy in San Francisco, where the Chinese embassy said, yes, the State Department has approved this federal background mm. check. And then finally, it was it was done. It took like a month and a half, two months. Oh and then they mailed it to me here in China. And then after that, it only lasts for six months from when the FBI did the criminal background check. So it's already two months old. So immediately we sent this to the Chinese authorities. No, wait, no, there's another step. Oh. We had to go to a Chinese approved translator service and have oh, yes. all of the documents Notarized translated as well. officially yeah. with the red stamp from the, from the government seal here in China. Then we were able to submit that to the Chinese authorities. Now, remember, in terms of getting a green card, this is 
like 5% of all of the paperwork that needs to be done. This is just the criminal background check. Wow. And also, because the United States is 50 states, you cannot have a California uh, criminal background check done. It has to be FBI because it has to include all 50 states. So, yeah. No, this, now, for those of you listening, you don't need this just to come over to China. This is for the green card. Let's make it very clear. Yeah, this is for the green card. You do need you you may need a criminal background check, but you can do it all in the United States to, to come live in China. But you don't need to do like, you know, the other 20 steps I'm talking about. This is for the green card. So it was a little bit longer process. But anyways, you can't be a criminal and you have to be able to prove that. I think it's a lot easier in other countries. But because the United States is 50 states, yeah. it gets more complex. <laughs> anyways, once you've got once you've proven that you're not a criminal, you do need a passport. Now, this is something that is surprising to a lot of people, but Americans. <laughs> don't have passports. 80% of Americans don't have a passport. So in the 20% who do have passports, mostly travel just to Mexico or Canada. And it's a much smaller sliver of Americans who end up traveling mm. to somewhere like China. So step one, get a passport. Usually you can go down to your local DMV or you can even go to some post offices and you can have you can apply for a passport. Mm. Now if you don't need it for a while, it may take a few weeks to get that, but if you sometimes you can get an emergency passport, but that involves having a flight the next day. So, or within a couple of days now. So, go apply for your passport. That's step 1. If you don't have any of these things, you don't have anything ready, you're not sure what you're going to do, the first thing you need to do is if you're considering moving to China, go out tomorrow, apply for a passport, and then you can start to figure out the other steps that are involved. Yes, it's not that it's not that hard. I know we talk like we talk about the point system, we talk about the visa <laughs> and stuff. It sounds like it's a lot, but like we said, if you have if you have a bachelor's degree, really easy. Just find a good employer, yeah, yeah. which which is probably going to be what we talk about later on in this episode as well. And then if you don't, you already know kind of where to begin mm. with the information that we gave you. And before you know it, you're here. Well, another thing is a lot of companies will help you do this. Like when I came over. Exactly. It, this is not something that you need to yeah, do yeah, yeah. every step of the way all by yourself. A lot, of, a lot of the time, your company will handle at least half of all of this stuff for you. And they will be the ones who get you your visa. Getting the visa, if you have your bachelor's, once you submit your like bachelor's degree and a couple of other simple things like signing your contract to the company, usually they will handle your visa for you. Yep. And then you just show up at the Chinese embassy wherever you are in yeah. the United States. My, I was living in San Francisco, so it was easy for me. I just went down the street right mm. but for some of you you might have to take a trip to like los angeles or wherever and then uh you go into the embassy with your passport and they will put the visa in sometimes that requires coming back the next day so that means you know you'll be staying the night in san francisco <laughs> for the some of you mm. that sounds delightful that's not a bad yeah. thing <laughs> some 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 of us like alex san francisco is divisive <laughs> Because there's like beautiful, amazing places to go. And there's also uh -huh. rampant criminality. So a lot of Americans have very <laughs> divergent opinions about this. I will, I will go there and then make the judgment call myself. Well, I'll see it for myself. Let's sit down. I'm gonna, wait, Alex, I'm going to get I'm going to take a map out and I'm going to take a marker <laughs> and I'm going to cross the street. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to mark <laughs> off a couple places that you might want to avoid. Which is not <laughs> something that you need to worry about if you live in Beijing, at least. Yeah, they in Beijing, there's nowhere to avoid. You just go anywhere and you're fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. 
So another thing is obviously getting a job, mm. which we talked about. So I want to switch back. You have a bachelor's degree. This is easy for you. You know, you may work right now. I don't know. In finance, maybe there are opportunities for you to go to work in finance and you should look for jobs that for you in your speciality here in China, especially if you work in something like finance or import export mm. or economics or something like that. You can name your ticket, get a great free ride over to China and have a great experience. A lawyer, something like that, medical doctor or a PhD. Mm. Man, this is easy for you. You come on over, you probably get a green card handed to you after a couple of years. <laughs> but for the rest of you who have a, a degree like me in history or philosophy or gender studies or something, you're going to probably end up as an English teacher. So <laughs> I mean, you want to go online. Yeah, go ahead. Alex. There are there are a lot more other positions, especially when oh, go on, uh, Jason was talking about, you know, if you are someone who speaks foreign language and you're good at kind of localizing things and mm -hmm. there are so many first first of all there are a lot of foreign entities here you know all of these big automobile groups mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah, right? yeah, yeah yeah big international groups like even like exxon mobil and all of these mm -hmm, other mm -hmm. um the finance companies the consulting companies or even chinese companies and then chinese companies as well one foreign all of yeah. these companies have departments now that deals with what we call dei diversity equity and inclusion which is basically something mm -hmm. what we're talking about i am good at or i have experience working on diversity related management projects or hr related projects then you have a good chance of being hired by any of these big whether it's chinese or mm -hmm. or foreign companies to work in their dei department or work as their dei consultant within the company and it's a very good job title and it's with reputable companies and you will be doing something that's actually very essentially part of who you are mm -hmm. an mm -hmm. international person living in a very international environment. And if you could do what Alex is saying and get go directly to work for the kind of company that you are qualified to work for or that you already work for in your home country, mm -hmm. then that's ideal. And, and for this, you do not need to be... So, okay, for an English teacher, you need to probably be from the United States, the UK, Australia, Zealand. New Zealand, yeah. etc., South Africa, uh, a couple other places around the world. But for if you want to go to work for a specialty company as like working in the field that you already work mm -hmm. in, in which you already work, then it's really a better choice for you. It's because a lot of people who come over as English teachers, they're holding that down for one or two years while they look for the kind of job that Alex is delineating. Yeah, I have. Yes, I've seen a lot. It's a little more that. research to find a job you know, in your speciality, but it's well worth it coming directly over and working immediately for the kind of company that you want to work for right away. Plus, you're going to be able to move up in that company mm -hmm. a lot faster. Now, if you do just maybe you're 22, you just got out of college, you don't have a lot of working experience beyond whatever you held down mm -hmm. during college, then, you know, English teachers, a great choice. And the reality is if you walk into a bar in San Luis at night and you ask <laughs> 10 foreigners, what do you do? Eight of them will say English teacher. So <laughs> there are a lot of English teachers over here. A lot of them stay as English teachers. We interviewed a gentleman named Thomas Fletcher, and he uh, worked as an English teacher for a couple of years. Then he became management and then senior management. And now he got an extra qualification. He's the principal of one of the five or six most reputable English uh, teaching schools here in Beijing. So and he makes really good money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if you are into teaching and you don't 
don't want to teach kids because kids can be a little too mm, enthusiastic mm, mm. from time to time. <laughs> there are also a lot of te teaching positions open in high schools mm, and mm. even in universities. Mm, mm. And a lot of the universities, they do hire bachelor's degrees only. But if you have a master's degree, yeah, you can become a university lecturer right away. Yeah, absolutely. And then you the thing that I, I'm most jealous about is that at least from what I know, my college professor friends who are not Chinese who are working here, even though it's not the best compound, it's not the best Xiaochu you could pick, but they get their apartment for free. Ooh. I would love to I would love to have that as well. There are two options with that. I wanted to get to that eventually too. So thank you for reminding me. Yeah. You can get the option where they give you an apartment for free, mm. or you can get an option in your contract where they give you housing allowance. Mm. Now, I know people who have gone both ways. In fact, in Korea, I got the house where they were like, here's your place <sighs> to live. If you can, take the money. Really? Choose where you want to live. You know, universities give nice apartments that are right on campus, but you oftentimes say you want a dog or a cat. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. That's the limitation that kind of goes everywhere in the world. Wherever you are, if you're renting, that's going to be something. Plus, maybe you have a, a taste in life. Like you like coffee, like Alex was talking about, and there's a coffee street. You want to live close to there. Or you're into drinking beer and you want to live near a, you know, a beer area, <laughs> you know, where alcohol and bars are. So whatever it is, maybe you're into museums, maybe you're into bird watching. I met a I met a lovely lady from Canada who was into bird watching and she wanted to live near a park. If you have the housing allowance, you can usually stay in a hotel for one or two weeks while you look for your apartment. Oftentimes your company will even help you find the apartment. Yeah, it's really and then you can find an apartment where you want to live it's pretty which easy is and then nice. this is nothing to, it's not like oh i have to make this this decision before i move to china once i make the decision i won't be able to change it hmm. you know it's it's always pretty easy and then most of the time the your employers the schools whoever your employers are are mm -hmm. going to be very understanding and they're it's never it's never going to be, i've never heard a story where someone an expatriate living in china working for some sort of an entity and then goes oh i tried to change apartment they wouldn't let me <laughs> <laughs> well you know there's also there's financial uh, availability. So say you are one of those people that are really great at saving. You're a super saver. So you could get your housing allowance and then get a cheaper apartment and save part of your housing allowance as part of your income and have better. Or maybe you're... I want to live it up kind of person. So you get your mm -hmm. housing allowance and then you add money to that and you live in a really bougie apartment, you know, so you can go either way with that. If you have the stipend as opposed to the preordained apartment, then you have a lot more flexibility on how you want to live your life. Exactly. And then if you're younger, it's the same. Like when I was in the States, you have a, you find a roommate and it's always an amazing experience. I know, I know this guy who I used to, I was colleagues with for for one week he, he quit immediately after i joined the company i don't think i was the reason but it just happened with that <laughs> <laughs> alex you know within a week and a half I, after i joined the company he left um but mm. you know he already put in his re uh, resignation a long time before that but sure he he <laughs> i want to leave now um <laughs> i want to be alex's co-worker go, go on i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> you are you're enjoying this a little too much jason yeah he does improv right and then i didn't know that one of the 
the, the comedians that um, we perform with, she was, I knew they were good friends, but I didn't know that they were roommates with each other from, I think, 11, 12 years ago. And they kind of witnessed each other. And then this lady is Chinese and this gentleman, the my previous co-worker is, a, is an American gentleman. And they really witnessed each other through different phases of life and, you know, all of these events, the bad breakups, the, the marriage, the kids, and they were so close to each other and they would go to each other's performance to show support and then the way that they're there for each other and they tell people, they said, mm-hmm. we go way back and we are really, really, you know, it's like we are siblings, but from different parents. So it's you form that kind of unexpected friendship or relationship sometimes when you Mm. move to another country. And that's something that I I noticed that, too. When I moved to Korea, I almost instantaneously had a best friend. And then I was like, this is interesting. Maybe this is just a one off. And then I moved to Beijing and I almost instantaneously had a network of friends. And they call this the expat bubble. So I've (laughs) I've been spending many years breaking away from this habit of making friends with people from America and England and stuff and trying to make more Chinese friends. But when you get to this, like a foreign country, oftentimes you get some folks cling to other people who speak English. Mm. So if you're an English speaker or a French speaker, suddenly you're going to be surrounded with French friends and you're going to be like, okay, and then you have a click. This It's not just you, it's them. They're also looking for people to click with. So this ends up forming kind of automatically and you end up with like this... uh, fraternity kind of <laughs> of folks around you who are like interested in talking about the same topic living in China yeah. and they all speak similar languages and it's it's so, important they gave you this kind of uh, the sense of this sort of security yeah like a buffer yeah you have a community to turn to just in case you run into something unexpected something that's urgent and you don't have mm. the, the answers or resources immediately you can always go to that group and those those people make you feel like I'm in a different country but I'm still with people that, that could help me when I need them. And then, of course, that could be yeah. comprised of either Chinese or expatriates. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I want to just put all of the ducks in a row. Ducks is a huge thing in Beijing. So that we people know what to do in what order. The first thing you need to do is get a passport, which we mentioned. The second thing is get to start looking for a job. Mm. So you won't need to submit your bachelor's degree or your criminal background check or apply for a visa until you get a job. So if you're wondering, well, what are the steps? Get a passport. Okay, you have a passport. Great. Next thing, start looking for a job. Now, so you can look for a job as an English teacher. You can look for a job in a specialty that you're good at, something you have a bachelor's degree in or master's degree, PhD, whatever it is. You can start looking for a job right away. Mm. Again, we're going to start. We'll talk about going to university in a different episode. So for those of you who want to come over immediately, this is this is the only steps. Now, a huge question I get asked as part of this uh, layout that I'm giving you is, oh, well, I don't have any money. You don't need any money. <laughs> you don't need a dime. These people who think they need to save up money to travel, you've been sold a bill of goods or you're confused. No, 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 no. Come over with nothing and you will get, you, and within six months, you'll have more money than you probably knew what to do with. Definitely. It's a little bit more expensive than it was 10 years ago, but it's still way lower than it is in the United States or the West. Oh my God. Yeah. Compared with other 
some other countries, it's really, yeah, it's really. And then if you do want to save, and there's so many ways you could save money that, without lowering your quality of life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So well, I go out all the time, and I still end up saving <laughs> most of my it's money. Re- it's really cheap. I remember I ordered something. Oh, I went we went to the convenience store the other day, and I bought um because I was I don't know if you could tell, but I was I was sick oh, last week. Um. <laughs> you know and then weird enough every time i get sick all i want to eat was instant noodles it's not the it's not healthy what? but that's just my sick food you know <laughs> i thought you yeah. I thought chinese folks so, this is my stereotype of the day uh-huh. i love those like bottled peaches oh i mean those too but those are not <laughs> those are not meals you know that's like dessert that's after my wife treats them like a meal <laughs> <laughs> oh summer that's adorable it is um what would be that would be like other people's ginger ale like ginger ale cures everything mm-hmm. the the our can and peaches that that cures everything as well by the way Wrong. i really think that should go that should become a world snack that we should promote bottled peaches yeah, have you, you tried it right they, they taste like candy they're in like a liquid i'm not sure if but it's peaches it's like actual fruit yeah it's actual peaches there but that have been peeled and they're d- super sweet and super soft and but they taste so sweet it's like is this candy or is this fruit yeah but it's <laughs> it's sweet and refreshing that's why i think that's why yeah yeah, yeah we yeah, loved yeah. it but I, I think that everybody should try that in december when you know a lot of folks were getting COVID, this reality oh, yes. uh, you couldn't find these bottled peaches everyone had absorbed yeah, yeah. summer was like ordering them online and there was like a two-week backlog and when she, they finally came she was like hoarding her coveted peaches <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't find it i was searching i was searching on the all over the internet for for mm-hmm. bottled peaches and i couldn't find them and i went to visit a friend later on after i had recovered she's like she looked at me with that you know that expression and she's like you know what i have i was like <laughs> she's like yes i have the bottle peaches. Hey, wait, I, I got you so uh off track yeah. we were talking Sorry, about saving saying, money in china yes. and you were gonna say you got sick and you were eating ramen i was saying instant noodles <laughs> and then i feel like i do have to make this little disclaimer as well before i continue the instant noodles i'm talking about it's not the cheap one pack flavored instant noodles that people oh. used to usually think of when you oh. mention that term in the united states people mm. are like oh like you're poor you eat instant noodles mm. instant noodles in china is an industry has it has flavors all the way oh yeah there's an aisle it has it. flavors that cover <laughs> the entire asia if not other other continents and you know southeast asian flavored mm. northeast chinese flavored and then sweet ones salty ones spicy ones and they're like you know the pork soup ones and chicken mushroom I'm flavors. so hungry. Now. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a little hungry. That's why I'm going into it. But I just, that's why I wanted it. That's why I wanted it when I was sick. I wanted that mm. flavor probably to mm-hmm. just, just taste. And then we went to the convenience store. I got four packs of instant noodles. I got this, this yogurt drink with a lot of nutrition in it. And then I got some of the, it's not really, uh, it's kind of sausage, but it's more on the much cheaper end of things. And I got a whole, mm-hmm. I got all of that. And then I went to pay. And then the number says, the, the, the amount says 27 and my boyfriend goes 27 quad i'm like yeah that's that's kind of where we are with that, three bucks uh, yeah exactly well okay four, four bucks let's give it four but that's the if you want to you know you have a lot of choices Cost of living you know there's also just street food you walk down the street and they're okay so you have really high-end Michelin five-star restaurants in Guamau. Yeah. Which is in Chaoyang. Uh-huh. So, but you also have like, just go out on the street and one or two kwai, you can have a sandwich like on the booths on the side of the street and stuff. So like everything is actually really affordable and you just pick what you want on different days. And honestly, sometimes street food is what you want. So you end up saving mm-hmm. money all the time. Oh, yeah. 
You're listening to the bridge. I kind of want to shift gears a little bit back to where the process of getting all of this stuff. Mm. Uh, so what's going to happen is you, okay, yeah. passport, you get mm-hmm. a job. Now your job is going to ask you for a couple of things. And some of these things seem a little bizarre. So I want to give you some tips about how to do this. One of the things you might want to consider doing right now, go to your university website and order a second bachelor's degree mm. because China requires that, and I'm not really sure why, that you get your bachelor's degree notarized, which means it gets a stamp on your bachelor's degree. And a lot of people don't like that. Mm. So usually if you want to reorder a new bachelor's degree, it's like 30 bucks or 50 bucks, depends on the university. Oh, that's you a went good to. tip to have. So order a second one now. That way you can leave one with mom or whatever, <laughs> your cousin that you trust or whatever, and get one and stamped with a notarized stamp on it. You go to a notary mm. and then, you know, you pay like 10 bucks and they stamp it with a stamp that says, I approve that this document is a legitimate real bachelor's degree from the United States. Mm. So then once you have your job, you know, they're like, okay, you know, whatever company it is, they want you to submit some things like maybe a criminal background check, maybe your bachelor's degree, maybe a a resume. So you take these things and you send them to your company when they may be in the US or, you know, whatever country you're living in, mm. or they may be in China and you need to send them to China. Uh, when I was hired, they had a company come and collect them from me at my front door. Yeah. So you may not even have to sh- ship this stuff yourself. Then they will check all of the documents in China and then they will send them back to you and you will go pick up your visa in your passport. Once you have that, it's just up to your company or you, depending on your contract, mm. to get a flight. And then you're landing in China then, you know, pretty soon. Easy peasy. And that's, that's easy peasy. Oftentimes, like 99% of the time, your company will give you a hotel to stay in for the first week or two. So that you have you don't, time to look for apartments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So either you move directly in, which happened to me in South Korea, into your new apartment, which is like the one they give to you, or they're giving, putting you up in a hotel and then you have time to look for an apartment. And usually they'll have like someone at your work who's like going to go hang out with you and help you find an apartment. Yeah. And then, you know, make sure you look at expensive of apartments cheap as apartments and everything in between. A lot of people, they go through one company. I usually just walk to the neighborhood I want to live in. (laughs) And then I walk up to like, there's 21st century here and there's also local Chinese brands as well. Just walk in and say, do you have any apartments? Name the price 1,000 kwai lower than you actually want to pay because they will always bring you an apartment that's cost 1000 more than whatever you're and asking. that is that is common around the world for all the real estate agents. go look at some apartments you like one take it yeah. you know after your first year you can move and on. if you are and so. if you're a let's say a high level executive or manager of a big corporate oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, you maybe you have never thought about being you know, uh, relocated or just going on a uh, an assignment over here in China for two years and you've never thought about that. Now, if you're listening to our show, there are people here that work specifically on relocation accommodation for mm-hmm. um, executives of foreign companies. Those people, because uh, my friend works in that, they're the, the places that they pick for you. You don't even need to have questions like, oh, does it have just assume all of the questions you have 
are going to be answered with a yes. Those places are yes. kind of top of the art uh, compounds, and they're very convenient. They're probably close to your company, and it's big facing Chinese people really like mm -hmm. to to think about which side, which which direction my apartment is facing, mm -hmm. and big windows, really nice property management companies that are going to help you with all of your problems. If you never thought about taking on an assignment, hopefully after listening to this episode, you will consider it when your company goes, who do we want to send to China this year? Absolutely. I think we should also probably just do an entire episode just about the relocation process. We could probably talk for an hour about what your first couple weeks are going to be like. Yeah. You know, I wanted to talk about transitioning a little bit. And I want to do this through storytelling. Mm -hmm. I want to tell the story of a gentleman. We'll just call him Mr. When I came to work in a giant international entertainment company in Beijing as an English teacher, I don't know, 11 years ago, there was a gentleman who I was taking over for. Mr. was an excellent teacher, but he was going into advertising mm -hmm. in Guamau. He was going to work for a major company there. And uh, so he had lived in uh, Beijing for maybe one year or two years. Mm -hmm. And he had already found a, you know, quote unquote, professional job. Now, for English teachers, it's a professional job, too. If you're getting if you actually have the right qualifications, you're going to follow up with more um, university background. There's a university. It's called Moreland University, by the way, where you can get mm. online from China. You can get a degree like a teaching certificate and a master's degree for a very affordable price, by the way. I don't work for them in any capacity, but <laughs> they're one of the only institutions that can do that remotely. I think in the United States, this is the only university that can award you with a teaching certificate. They're located in Washington, D.C., Moreland University. If you're just coming over as an English teacher, usually you don't need anything but a TEFL, which takes a few weeks to get. But if you're coming over and you want to stay being a teacher, you want that's your career path, that's your professional path, then you can go online to Moreland University, attend their university, and actually become a qualified teacher, which will increase your income by mm. like 50% after a year after you get this sort of degree. So that's actually worth it. But for those of you who are coming over as English teachers and transitioning, this gentleman, Mr., mm. he was able to <laughs> use that first year in China to look for a different job. And then he was able to make the right contacts and meet the right people and, you know, get go through the interview process and then get a job in the profession that he wanted, which was advertising. Nice. So you don't have to immediately come over and work for, you know, China Petrochemical or if, if that's your dream mm. job or whatever. You could come come over working as an English teacher, use that first year, don't go to the bars all the time like a lot of folks do, and instead work on your finding the professional degree, you know, job, know, the, the right path for you. I don't know why that was so funny to me. Just, just the way you said it is like, okay, there are, okay, there are a lot of foreigners who come over and just go straight into the bars and they're just like drunk two nights a week and they don't seem to do anything but stay. Well, two nights a week is an understatement. I know people who are probably intoxicated like 90% yeah. out of this time yeah but that's that's on another on another level it says that you will have you will have a very good social life <laughs> a lot of people come over you will have a party. very good social life <laughs> well i mean i spent a couple years like really having a good time when i first came to beijing but then i quickly realized hey i don't really want to go back so i better start getting mm. my act together and you know the alcohol consumption yeah. decreased but I, I do want to build on what you just said about <laughs> getting a degree while you're in china there the way it is you know yeah, yeah, um yeah. maybe not for kindergarten english teachers 
features if you're, you know, that's the the first thing you came over uh, for. But if you do come over for a teaching position at any of these really awesome, amazingly beautiful international schools here, Mm -hmm. they do have programs in place to help you get a secondary degree, whether it's a master's or whatever. My friend, Mm -hmm. uh, my dear, dear friend was going through that. And even though she was in pain, she, she was loving the fact that she was getting the opportunity to get her master's as she's teaching at an international school because that is going to mm. really advance her career in the international school system. And mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. you know, if you work for, for example, one with British international schools here, if you want to relocate, if you want to, to transfer to other countries when you do mm-hmm. plan mm-hmm. on leaving, then you could transfer still within the international school system that you're guaranteed a job in your new uh, destination, whatever country mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is. So it really opens up a lot of doors and this very specific friend friend I am talking about, she didn't come to China mm. for a teaching job. She came to China for her design career, mm. but because she was so kind to help her friend cover a couple of classes, and then she did that consistent consistently for, I think, over a year, and she was performing really well. The international school really saw what she could do and what type of person she was. So they made an exception um, and hired her. They were also really like looking for people. And that's why I kept saying this is the best time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're looking Mm -hmm. for people. You come. And they made an exception for her. They gave her a management position uh, first so that she has time to catch up on all of her certificates that she needs to go into full-time teaching. And they gave her all the support she needed in terms of paperwork and time that she needed. And so now she is very happy she shows me projects that she designs for mm-hmm. at, she designs for her students at work and she's getting close mm-hmm. to finishing her master's degree she still cries when she writes her <laughs> her essay and, and, and <laughs> honest if my company pays mm-hmm. for another degree right now for me I would never ever ever wow. ever well job. you know actually that's really bizarre that you mentioned that I worked for a few different schools all of them provided money for additional education right. every one of them in, in one of those uh, kindergartens actually I also had international connections and I could have transferred to Singapore because they had school there as mm. well. I don't want to leave China's mainland. I'm really happy here. Yeah. Uh, my wife loves Singapore. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, master's degrees, there are a ton of online master's degrees, but in terms of becoming a qualified, certified teacher with a U.S. Uh, certification, Moreland is, I think, the only one right now. There probably should be more and maybe there will be in the future, but they'll help you. Uh, say maybe you do work for a kindergarten. Like You can actually use this to then change to a high school teacher or a third grade teacher. You're listening to The Bridge. Also, I want to say, in addition to making more money if you get degrees while you're in China... Be aware that the uh, job market pays about 30 to 40 percent more for entry level positions as an English teacher now than it did three years ago because there's less foreigners in China. So all these positions need to be filled. All these high schools, middle schools, kindergartens and, 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 you know, individual companies that have English teaching needs for their own staff, they are begging for foreigners right now. So you can make an absolute killing. Don't come over and get the lowest paying job because you have low confidence. No. Apply for those big jobs that maybe you doesn't look like you meet their qualifications and then just finagle your way in and make a lot of money because you can absolutely rake it in right now because of the need for people to come over and enter into teaching. That's just teaching, of course. And there are all kinds of other options as well. I know a lady, I'm not going to say her name. Let's call her (laughs) Miss L. 
Miss Lady. Uh, Miss Lady. She came from uh, Jamaica and she started at an English school and then parlayed that into getting a medical degree. Mm. So she actually was teaching and switched to getting a degree, got a medical degree. She's passing all these tests and she will be a medical doctor in China. So there are tons of options. Anything you could do back home, you can do here. But what's what China offers is a uh, cost of living. It's considerably better. The cost of renting an apartment, the cost of going out and enjoying yourself. So maybe in America, you're working like two jobs, 60 hours, you can't pay your bills. You never have a chance to go out. This is the opposite in China. You come to China, you work your 40, and then the rest of your life is up to you. And you can just enjoy your life the way that you always wished that you could back home. Mm, I mean, this is uh, probably a good opportunity for you to see something different and then it always rewards you with what you didn't mm-hmm. expect. Plus, I mean, people say you do want to go back home someday. I think most people do. Most people envision they're going to go back after a year or five years or something. <laughs> yeah, Alex and I have an interviewed, I don't know, dozens of people. They always say, I came to China for a year. And then I really want to have a, a compilation of everything <laughs> of how they, you know, just put it together. Everybody's like, you know, it was only going to be a month. You know, it was just going to be a year. And then 15 years later. <laughs> yeah, 15 years later, they're still in China because why not? China's amazing. Once you get here, firstly, it's not black and white like BBC shows you. And there's, there's the, the, the sky is not grainy. <laughs> I'm looking out right now. It's a blue sky, and but it was way blue yesterday. It was like a super, super blue. Like I'm on line one. I live on line one, which cuts across west and east. So I can just jump on the walk one block, jump on the subway and be like anywhere in the city, basically. Yeah. And if I connect to 10 or two, I'm just literally anywhere in the city. Yeah. So, I mean, don't take a car if you don't want to. So I take a car. Yeah, sometimes I take the subway often also. And it's really, 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 really affordable. And it's not like the New York subway where you're worried about like someone's going to poop or rob you or beat you or something (laughs) no crime happens on the Beijing subway yeah there's no there's no crime and it's all air conditioned (laughs) in case you're wondering and then there's a total of oh my god how many lines are there now but they're building more so it'll basically reach every neighborhood wherever you are oh yeah you're listening to the bridge Whatever their preconceptions about what life in China is, it's really lovely. It's, we got great people. People are really kind and warm and welcoming. And everyone is really polite. Like, yeah. you know, in the United States, you get that too. People say hi on the street in some neighborhoods, in some cities, in some towns and stuff. Like, that's what I get here. You know, especially as a foreigner, I do get people who say, La why? A lot of foreigners don't like that for some reason. I think it's great, you know, because I think it's mostly like, Oh, they probably almost never see one like a foreigner. So they're like just excited to have point one out because it's (laughs) it's niche. They're like, wow, look, a foreigner in this part of the city or whatever. And usually that isn't no ill attention. Yeah, yeah, most mostly those people want to talk to me. They'll say things like. Hello, because they, that's the word they know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, most of the time they just want to practice their English. <laughs> well, I mean, I get a lot of folks who I mean, maybe in Chaoyang, but I get a lot of folks out here who can't speak English on the west side. So they'll they'll say Nishir Nali Run or wherever. Where are you from? You know, what do you do? Yeah, so they ask questions about me because they want to reach out. They're trying to make contact. I yeah. think that's great. I'm I'm really personally excited about that. That people want 
to be friendly with the foreigner. And so uh, usually people just note, ah, this guy's an American. You know, I'm a bit chubby. So I think that gives it away. <laughs> <laughs> so people are like, Nisha Megwaran, so are you American? And I'm like, yeah, I'm American. Oh, man. But I, I, I usually, sometimes I give a joke that I'm from outer space. I say, well, sure, Washington. <laughs> I had one guy laugh in a taxi one time. He started busting a gut. But most people are just like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not an alien. <laughs> we're, matter, we're, we're very matter of fact. We'll take what you say very, very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Tips. We got a few more minutes left on things you should expect coming to China or like maybe things that you should expect in the job process coming over to China. Mm -hmm. Number one is, you know, China is a lot happier place than the media in the West say. So don't be afraid to come to China. Don't be like fear that, you know, everything is like what CNN says, because CNN is a terrible representation of what China is. Life in China is actually like. <laughs> China is a wonderful place. It's beautiful. People are very kind. People are very warm and welcoming. And the first thing you're going to have to get used to is not being afraid. So like, yeah. I'm afraid in America because I might be get robbed all the time, <laughs> honestly. But like in China, yeah. you're going to have to slowly take that personality off because no one's going to rob yeah, you. Yeah, it's really, it's not really a thing here. <laughs> At least not in these big cities. You really don't have to worry about it. I had a friend who uh, who came from the United States as well. And then the first couple of nights he was here, his colleague was taking him to a restaurant at the Hutongs in the, mm. in the alleys. And the alleys are the old part of Beijing. <laughs> it's small houses and there's no way out. There's, you know, one way out, one way in. So when you see, it's just a narrow street in front of you that you can't see the exit of and that American gentleman, he was like, and it was already dark and it's not very super lit. You know? <laughs> he was afraid in the hutongs. Those are like the most bougie part of Beijing. He, oh my God. He's, he stood at the entrance and he was just shaking his head as hard as he could. He was like, no way. I'm not going in there. I'm not going in there. I'm, I'm going to get robbed. <laughs> and, and his coworkers are like, oh my God, can you just please? Like, it's a restaurant we're going into. We're not taking you on an adventure. It's a restaurant. All the best restaurants that, you know, like, like Indian restaurants, for example, are in the hutongs. Yeah. So you have to go into the hutongs yeah, to exactly. go to all these really key, like these <laughs> awesome restaurants and place, places yeah. like that. But don't be afraid. You know, yeah. another thing is, I would say start learning Chinese, obviously. It'll make it more yeah, fun. Right It'll away, as soon fun. as you can. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a big problem with foreigners who come over and don't speak Chinese for many, many, many years. And like you get two different kinds of foreigner. You get like 10 or 15% of foreigners who come over and learn Chinese really well. And then you get the 80% of other foreigners who just learn how to say like, I want this on the menu and like, thank you. And like that's jigga, jigga, five jigga. years later, they're still like, jaga, jaga, jaga. So don't try, try to be in that 15% of foreigners who, because you're, you're going to have different experiences. Experience, being able to speak with people when you walk around and that experience improves the quality of your life while you're living here, obviously. The last, 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 last thing. So when you're interviewing and you're applying for jobs, you know, fill out your resume thoroughly, a strong CV with dates for where you work, because sometimes the government requires it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I worked for, you know, whatever it is, Subway sandwiches for from this month to this month, because sometimes the government wants to see the exact amount of time that you worked at different jobs, mm -hmm. uh, because that helps because they want they're looking specifically for how much work experience does this person have? If you have zero working experience, that 
kind of hurts. So if you have, if your work experience isn't something you're super proud of, uh, you worked in some server industry for like three years, that's okay. Mm. It's okay. Put it down. Say, I worked in this service industry from this month to this month for these three years. That's actually better than like just kind of glossing over it. Like in America, maybe people are not as proud of that because they're trying to only put on what represents what they're applying for. Mm. But in, in your pl- application for China, more work experience in any field is better. So put that on your resume. If, if you get told differently by the company that you're going to work for, that's that's okay. Just follow their, their direction. Yeah. But but uh, another thing is when you're in the interview, be open minded and willing, because a lot of times they're looking for people who have an open mind about living in a new place. Mm, so definitely express the fact that you are excited about coming to China, that you are open minded about a different culture, because that's going to help you get the definitely. job. Open mind, open mind. But I just wanted to say for a lot of people that it really doesn't matter what kind of job you do what kind of person you are if if you are people are like oh i'm an artist i can't live in china i have so many artist friends who are here for example there's an amazing live band in beijing at at the hotel jen and beer smith called the soul shake these are gentlemen from the uk and new zealand and they've been here for five years and the love they have from people every day is they're practically rock stars living out here you know and they're Mm -hmm. they're putting on good shows every night and then we just met a gentleman last night who was a tony award nominee for a Broadway show and he is now in China teaching musical programs in in, in one of these Chinese art universities. I'm not going to disclose because we Mm -hmm. didn't get his consent. But um, And then we have people who work in trades, people who are amazing chefs from from Italy, from other places, and they have their, they either work for really amazing uh, establishments or they start their own business here in China. There are so many ways. It really doesn't matter what you do. Probably find something. Mm -hmm. All these Mm -hmm. dance shows, there are these hip-hop artists that are coming over to China very regularly. Every time they come, they stay for like five, six months and they teach workshops and they go on TV shows. So there are so many, so many categories of jobs or vacancies and opportunities for people <laughs> to come here for a various length of time. You don't, it doesn't have to be a contract that keeps you here for three years. It could be a six month <laughs> contract for a project. Just so many ways. If you are open-minded, like we said, and you trust the process, trust the results, make the decision to just come and see. Thank you for your time, Alex. All right, guys, we'll have another installation of Moving to China, Home Sweet Home China in the future. Yes. Thank you for your time. Thank you, everybody. See you next time. 